You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenlich. With me is Jeremy Holiday and Michael Krieger. Thanks for joining us today. And um, we're doing a little shorter segment here on the now playing and what we've been watching with our kids. Yeah. So uh, we're going to start with what we've been watching with our kids. And I know Jeremy's excited about it. Right. Some so stuff. I've been waiting for like weeks to talk about this. Yeah. Um, at, out there in TV land or pod land, where are they? They're in, out there in TV land. Have, have, you guys, do you, have you guys heard about or seen the show Troll Hunters? Okay. It's a Netflix show. It's based on a on a, a kid's book that Guillermo del Toro wrote with somebody mm. else. I don't, don't know the other guy. Yeah. Um, and like all I can tell you at the get go is it is it is a fabulous, fabulous television show. And, so they, hunt, the, and they hunt trolls. They hunt trolls. Yeah. Um, uh, it is um, 26 episodes um, for the first season, which is amazing. Okay. It has like three distinct arcs. Origin story, first big bad, second big bad, and then set up for the third big bad. Um, uh, Kelsey Grammer plays uh, a character in it. He's adorable and delightful. <laughs> um, uh, Ron Perlman voices the scary bad guy, you know, just course, doing yeah. the work with his big Hellboy throat thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and what, so I was just like watching Netflix, you know, do do with my like, you know, five year old Sam. And it's like, <laughs> it pops up, like, mm, you know, like if you like, you know, uh, you know, uh, How to Train Your Dragon and, <laughs> and other things like this. You, uh, Kung Fu Panda, you might like sure. Troll Hunters. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, dream work. <coughs> I don't know much about it, but it seems cool. And one day, like, when we had, you know, watched, you know, every episode of Rescue Bots for the seventh time, Sam's like, let's pick something new. And, and he, my Sam, Sam, like, um, refers to all sections where you pick things as aisles. You know, like, so, like, at, at the in grocery Netflix? store. No, like, in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if he asked me to, like, look up um, coloring pages on the computer, he's like, go mm-hmm. to the Transformers aisle. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. he means, like, <laughs> you know, Google Transformers Grocers, yeah. and progressive Transformers choices. The aisle of the world. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, uh, you know, uh, go to the you know go to the Netflix aisle that has, you know, like, the How to Train Your Dragon on it. Yeah. And I was like, so do that. And then this Trollhunters pops up. And usually, as a rule, which it, I think is good for parents, it like, is formulated as an aisle, though. Yeah, no, but it, it is. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, and I was like, wow, this is there's some. Have sort you guys of also noticed the switch to percentage ratings? Like, uh, I don't you like, will I don't like, like the. Like there's a ninety five percent chance you will like this, and like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole discussion on itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I do know, like, back in the, do you remember back in the day when you could like just go and like rate films mm-hmm. for like I do that for like hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably like yeah. thousands of entries in there. Yeah. Because I mean, like, as minute I started doing it, I, I did like one screens worth, you know, mm-hmm. when you have to go back. And, and, like, it's like, you would like these nine films. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I've seen four of those. <laughs> right. five I've always wanted to see. So, algorithm. Um, Side note on that. I let my sister-in-law, um, for several years, use my Netflix account. and <laughs> Messed up your algorithm. It, it did. Uh, it went from... There was a long time where I didn't watch very much things on Netflix specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she did. So, it swayed it from, like, regular... <laughs> cult movies and whatever that I actually watch to like suggesting gay and lesbian drama which is I mean sure I'll watch <laughs> Panic in Needle Park a dozen times but yeah. it's like, like a whole section yeah, yeah. It's a, a solid aisle a gay and lesbian drama aisle um, floats to the top yeah yeah um, yeah I mean did you guys hear about that film this is like a like a a Netflix algorithm thing. But yeah. They made that film that was like it had it was it was really visually complicated. So it had like smoke and backgrounds moving. Um, and it, it it it's not it's like a like a quasi noir film. I don't remember huh. what it's called. But they made it and they're like you know like who can build an algorithm to make this as small as possible? Kind of the way they had that contest to see who could like you know make the sorting more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, they did that. So there's this film Netflix like commissioned yeah. in the early days of Netflix original stuff. I don't remember what it's called. You can Google it and find out. But they make all... Because, you know, like, like because of the way, like, uh, regular compression works, it uses sort of, like, um, fractals. So, like, it it works well if there are things that are Mm. similar in various sizes across the screen. But it's really hard with, 
intricate patterns, smoke, varying degrees of light in various oh, yeah. places. Um, so, so they just did that. Kind yeah, of so they, 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 when they were making the film, it's kind of like, I mean, I don't know, like the lorem ipsum of films <laughs> or something? Anyway, um, on the subject of algorithms, Google it. Um, troll Hunters. Yes. Okay. So, Back to um, Back I mean, to the Troll Hunters I, 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 I'm gearing up to like the statement, which I'm making a little bit, so just get ready. <laughs> so, I mean, among the things that Troll Hunters does... Um, it's like a, the story of this like noble troll who has like this magical armor, um, and he's like keeping the bad trolls away, which is all you kind of know. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the last troll hunter get killed, mm-hmm. um, and and following like classic rules of trolls, like they, if they get touched by sunlight, they get turned to stone. Mm-hmm. So he fights this guy, gets turned to stone, and like the little amulet that contains the magical armor is like in this pile of stone, and like our like unbewitting little Jim. Um, human walks by and it like whispers his name and he, he goes to school and comes back and picks it up and it eventually you know like the armor chooses him yeah. um, and it's cool we like this like by the power of Merlin like sunlight is mine to command and it kind of jumps on him and it like the armor spans out and it's cool visual um, and he's and so but and then it embarks on this thing where he he's a teenager um, and he's doing all this stuff in school and he has mm-hmm. this Latina love interest uh, love interest Claire and he has this like chubby friend um, and then he gets like melded into this world of trolls where he's Blinky, who is this voiced by Kelsey Grammer, who has four eyes and four <laughs> arms, and he's like his mentor and he's like a librarian. Um, and, and like after like the fourth episode, I'm like, this is Buffy the Vampire. It's like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it has like, you have the Scoobies and you have, mm. and, and, and it captures some of the best parts of Buffy mm. where like she's a teenager and she's also a slayer. And, and Jim talks about all the time, like his father um, left his mother. She's a, she's a doctor and he's like preparing meals for her and taking yeah. care of her. And like the, the big bads will like threaten his mother and he has to make the choice between like, is he, you know, is he going to defend, is he going to like, Pass his, you know, Spanish test, or is he going to save the life of this troll? And he, you know, in these intersecting different worlds of the trolls that live underground and the people that live above ground, and they just and they just keep um, these parallel tensions of him yeah. being a teenager and having these real problems, and him being uh, the troll hunter and having these fantastical problems, all the way through the epi- all the way through the season. And his love interest Claire, I mean, she's born of the Scooby, so it's, I don't know, love interest, I don't know. Right. Um, her right. little brother gets stolen and taken to the dark realm, and so mm. like they're working on that plot. Yeah. Um, and there's just and there's uh, I don't know, there's just uh, and like and of course Blinky is Giles, um, and he like he turns into a human and has like and looks like Giles at one point. He does <laughs> some strange magic we don't even understand. Um, it's just fan- fabulous. So, so yeah. that's what I, I, I feel confident in saying that it is like the truest intellectual successor of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I know there's crazy heads out there. I know there's other stuff. Yeah. Um, but I like nothing I've watched seems to capture some of the essential elements of the mm-hmm. show. The and, and also like the, the the duty and the responsibility. Yeah. That Buffy talks about all the time. You know, mm-hmm. this is what happens when you're right. you're living on a helmet. This is what happens when you're the Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so if you have, like, a child, or if you've watched Buffy, or if you've watched Buffy and have a child, um, this show is great. Um, this would be, like, an introduction to Buffy for... Yeah, or, or, or it's, 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 like a, it's an introduction to that, to that character. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that... I mean, there are things that, like, it doesn't have. Like, one of the things that, like, um, the big structure pieces of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is Buffy is, like, an attractive blonde girl who's normally the person that gets killed by vampires in vampire mm-hmm. movies, yeah. and she's the reverse. And, you know, in this case, and, and, and there's certainly, like, there's a lot of Joss Sweden's feminism that is not present in Trollhunters. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do, I mean, like, there's a very sophisticated and intelligent addressing of violence mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, like, the trolls are like, you gotta finish the fight. You gotta find the bad guy. You gotta kill the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and one of the first missions that Jim undergoes, he has to, there's this little gnome that steals, he has to, like, kill this gnome mm-hmm. he doesn't kill the gnome they name him Gnome Chomsky because they like to eat stuff and they, they hide him in a dollhouse he ends up you know like helping out later yeah. he, even like even when he like he like bests his dark nemesis at one point like he mm-hmm. doesn't kill him mm-hmm. he like you know like confronts him takes away his power and sends him away you know and, his, and, and this uh, you know like person like respects Jim for it yeah. you know and there's you know and he, he's presented with this hero you know that he, he he has become the great troll hunter, and his job mm-hmm. is to kill the bad trolls, um, and these other various things. And he's he's like, well, I, I adhere to these other rules, but like I'm not going to do the killing. Yeah. And, and and so like it, it, it is like renegotiating this um, giant sword wielding armor smashing <laughs> dude. Um, uh, and it's it's just it's fun and intelligent. It's you know Guillermo del Toro. So like I don't know how much he's involved in it, but um, 
what I there's a, a really great visual world to it, which I think comes from him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really great intricate, um, like in you know, kind of like in Painted Labyrinth, where there's this really easy and archetypical relationship between like the fantastical and the normal. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just great. Mm. And again, like twenty six episodes. I mean, like what are there like sixteen episodes of Voltron, and that's two seasons. Right. I mean, these guys just outdid themselves as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Um, and, and like Jim's armor keeps upgrading every time. So like Sam, like you know, five year old like knows like when 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 he like, when he goes up he a level, which his friend talks about, you know. Yeah. Um, and even and the Scoobies get powers too. Like mm. they get magical weapons and they're more involved in the stuff. Um, it's just um, it's just great. Um, and I, I mean, I can't say. I mean, it's hard. I don't know Guillermo del Toro or the creators of the show, so I don't know what they think about. Yeah, um, he's listening. So. But it's it seemed pretty clear um, that they took like um, if you were to take like Buffy and to like distill it into like a formula, mm-hmm. um, it seemed like they took that and then made a show about it. You know, changing yeah. some things. You know, like she sure. um, certainly there's like you know and made it for a younger audience because I remember thinking like with Crazy Head and mm-hmm. other kinds of things like that. Um, like you know, like taking it from a like a TV WB audience to an adult audience right. might make it better because it can be darker and whatnot. But there's something about like taking it down a notch um, mm-hmm. and, and making it more of a children's story mm-hmm. that a lot of those like archetypical things and the big philosophical discussions are, are like it's much easier to to play them out exactly. when it because when it's in a simpler sort of yeah. format with a kid. Interesting. Um, and there's there's a lot of interesting. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting characters. I mean, like I like how the school is the focus of it, um, all that stuff. So I, I can't really say um, much better stuff about yeah. Troll Hunters. Um, go out and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> with your kids. I mean, I'm not often talking to a lot of other kids besides my own about mm, stuff, but yeah. I, I feel like this is not getting as much attention as it should. Yeah, I've heard a few good people talk about it, um, good things about it. But yeah, I could go on. That, yeah, it's great that we can. Uh, yeah. I plan to watch it um, with my kids. Uh, speaking of trolls. Trolls. Uh, Mikey, I think you watched Cinderella recently? Cinderella. Yeah. 1965's Rodgers and Hammerstein version, Mm -hmm. live action Cinderella. Um, We came across it. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, My daughter, Margie, did not know what she was in for when she signed (laughs) on for that one. She said Cinderella. The the cover is different from the VHS cover that I remember as a kid, but... um, it was uh, just about as good as I remember it. I think the top billing is Ginger Rogers, and she gets about two minutes of screen time. Um, songs are great. The dialogue is very Elizabethan, so <laughs> uh, my three-year-old daughter didn't quite follow as, as quickly as you'd normally follow Cinderella, although she did know what was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cinderella. Yeah. Um, the stage production the mm. like the set design stood out from i mean i didn't really absorb all that as a kid but it <laughs> yeah. was like literally uh like backdrops and plastic trees that are conical cone shaped like <laughs> nonsense um but it was good it's it held up it's like a good hour and 15 minutes of Rogers and Hammersteins and tight men and tights and <laughs> just what you want. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's I mean that's what I got so far. Uh, was Margie's overall assessment at the end? She liked it. Oh, good. Um, she asked a lot of questions. Yeah. And made comments about where. Well, she's she's almost four, right? She's almost four. She got it. Yeah, I mean. I think that's some good parenting right there. Yeah. Classics. Watch bring up the classics. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted to bring up with you guys MST3K. Yeah. The new Netflix version. Yeah. Our family was out of town for the weekend that it came out. It was released on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so we were staying at a hotel, so I was like, let's let's break this out. Um, so on our on our iPad we we started watching it. And so it was a great kind of combination of like introducing it to my kids. Who we we actually skipped ahead. We haven't watched all of them um, by any means, but we watched Star Crash, mm-hmm. uh, which I had actually somehow like a while ago clicked on a link of like Star Wars ripoffs, you know, that came out originally like in the seventies. And I remember watching a trailer for this, and it was kind of like that'd be fun to watch sometime. But it was a great opportunity. Like I probably just don't watch it regular, but like 
if they're making fun of it, this right. is good. Yeah. So we started watching that, and it was great on the one element that they were sort of like, it's also from somewhat of an era that they're not as used to, or like... Like your kids. Bad film. Yeah, my yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. So they were kind of intrigued by just watching this bad movie and being like, what is this? It's kind of like Star Wars. And they do have like a rip-off uh, lightsaber at one point. Um, like straight rip-off. So they were but, like... But that you means someone has a lightsaber in it? Yeah, it okay. has a different shaped... Um, Handle? Handle, yeah. Does it make the same sound? It, it didn't really make the sound. Okay. Yeah. But definitely mm-hmm. is. Couldn't afford that. <laughs> definitely a worse effect, yeah. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of this light effect that sort of moves in the same space as the hands that are doing it. Gotcha. Um, but anyway, it was just kind of a fun experience. Like, I think my eight-year-old was starting to get making fun of humor or, like, mm. making um, wisecracks about it. But, like, my three-year-old was just like, this is fun, like, watching this funny movie. And what are those weird robots doing in front, you know, like... Why is that one floating? Yeah, why is he flying around? So, uh, so that, that was a fun experience. And then um, we finished it, finished that, that film. But, um, yeah, I look forward to kind of sharing that more with them, enjoying it. Yeah, you- I mean, uh, I, uh, every game was like just minding my own business when Netflix is like, hey, we're trying to see a 3000 is <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I didn't yeah. know you were doing that. And there was like a you know, picture of uh, um, Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt on the thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. I mean, first of all, like, <laughs> those guys, man, I mean, mm-hmm. I remember, I just, I mean, what, I mean, like, it must be awesome to be those guys. I mean, I, I just think yeah. that there's like, there's a, um, I remember like, uh, What's the guy, Sean, who made Shaun of the Dead? What's his name? The director? Yeah, no, I mean, but the actual Sean, that guy's name. Oh, um... Sean, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. I remember Simon Pegg talking about making Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to attempt an accent, though I really, really want to, um, <laughs> where he's like, you know, like, I never thought, like, I'd see myself on a bobblehead. <laughs> you know, and it's clear, you know, from watching, like, Hot Fuzz, like, what a big fan he and his other friends are of like film and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a really interesting era, which we should do a show about, yeah. you know, in which like fans of, you know, science fiction and, you know, these franchises genres, and these genres right. are like making, you know, original content, mm-hmm. which is a thing I just remember when I was a kid, like the divide between the people that watched Star Wars and people that made Star Wars was, you know, like Quite, ungolfable. Yeah. Right. Or if that's a word. Or yeah, uncrossable gulf. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, man, I feel like Patton Oswalt there, you know, he's, he's in Mr. Trying to see the 3000. Like, how many billions of people, you know, <laughs> want would want to be that? Yeah. And Felicia Day, like, I mean, you know, I mean, I first encountered her because she's one of the, um, she's one of the hopefuls, uh, one of the Slayer hopefuls in the seventh season of Buffy. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I mean, she stands out. She's tall. She's like yeah. clearly a good actress. Like, clear, you know, like stands out among the gaggle of um, folks that are there <laughs> in, in that final season. Yeah. Um, you know, and then she's like, Dr. Horrible's, I'm, you know, in the guild, I'm like, wow, like, this is like geekdom, you know, at <laughs> right. its finest. Um, so, so I did those guys, I, I watched like a, 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 like a first half of the first one, which is like Reptilius, I think it's called, mm-hmm. it's like some giant dinosaur mm-hmm. drilling thing. Yeah. Um, Normal. Yeah, I mean, it's a little weird, and there's definitely like a lab, and there's like <laughs> some random guy, I mean, some random guy whose job it is is to like check the temperature on the freezer he's like some local farmer that's been given the job mm-hmm. i'm like i wonder if that's gonna f-. i mean like wow <laughs> um but um it's fun and i think that um um it's it's a, an embarrassing admission I, i've never watched any of the original mystery science theater 3000 Can't which like it's... my older brother and like all of his friends like they all would like quote it and they knew all about <laughs> it and like i knew of the idea of it but i never actually watched one um but I had a really fun experience watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have watched more. Uh, I just didn't have, you know, like, a, I only had, like, 45 minutes to sit down and do it. Um, but it's exciting. I mean, I think that there's, I mean, I would also like to see, well, so, uh, side note, kind of related, it is. Um, I watched Pacific Rim, which I probably talked about on the show before. Yeah. Um, another Game of Toro thing. Um, and uh, a friend of mine introduced me to um, How It Should Have Ended, this, like, YouTube channel. Have you guys seen this? No. I've seen some of those. And it's like H I S H E he she. I don't you mm-hmm. know I don't think it's actually pronounced that way. But um, and there's like a, a whole bunch of like how it should have ended things about how Star Wars should have ended. Um, uh, but I really liked it. But it's also like commentary about films, you know, because they'll do like how it should have ended. Plus they'll like throw in like mm-hmm. some other little commentary along the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing their commentary about like um, Pacific Rim is like if you've ever seen that film, you know, there's like lots of like punching and stuff, and then. 
no guns, and then like they eventually <laughs> get this sword, which is really powerful. Yeah. So at some point they're like, yeah, like you know, like a bunch of dudes on the screen, like, oh, there's a bunch of like Godzilla like things coming out of the ocean. What do we do? And one guy's like, let's build robots so we can punch them in the face. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's a great idea, you know. Right. And they're fighting, you know, and they're like, they're about to die, and they're like, let's use the sword. And then it's like, oh, that was good. Why didn't we lead with that? You know, these like these like um big lurking questions yeah. that come up with the films mm-hmm. and I think that that's what how it should have ended does and I also think that that's part of what um, like uh, Mr. Sensei 3000 does about these older films mm-hmm. I mean I personally would love to see like Newer. Mystery Science Theater 3000 Star Wars you know, yeah, like, yeah, I, right, or, or yeah. like, or like, how mm-hmm. it should have ended. You know, commentary, and maybe this exists in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that, you know, and, and I know like there's licensing and other sorts yeah. of stuff, which you know prevents sure. sort of that stuff. But I'm like, that would be great. Yeah, you know, I, I would love to see like, you know, Lucasfilm says, okay, like, do, yeah, we'll, we'll take, we'll have a contest, like, <laughs> who can do the best. MST3K for Star Wars, mm. you know, and like, and, and I just, I just love to see um, what the fan community could do with that, and I, I love to see those top ten entries, yeah. you know. Um, so that's my bit about my bit about that. Yeah, Mission Cena 2000, cool, happy to see think, you around. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, great combination because for at least a certain group of people who are obviously fans of this, yeah. that's like what you do anyways when yes. you watch some of those older films. So it oh. just, it, I feel like watching it, there's like so many layers of like, I find like when I used to watch it, like a few friends, we would be making like comments about the film or like their comments, like on top of the ones that were I, in the I, film. So, like, I have to say this too. Um, yeah. I really, good, we had, um, uh, Tim Lom on the show mm-hmm. a little bit to talk about um, video games. Um, his um, husband, a uh, man named Steve Knoll, who's uh, he does theater direction and stuff in town. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, he did a production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, like mm-hmm. the original stage production. Um, and Steve is a great man we should have on the show. He, you know, he also loves um, Blade Runner and yeah, and stuff. Um, right. But um, he, like, when he was a teenager, like he sort of, you know came of age um, like going to midnight showings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show mm-hmm. and being a part of the like the culture of all the stuff you say when the show right. goes and like right. and I, I mean I had seen there's a scene in some movie which everybody talked about that I think I had seen mm-hmm. I mean but it is like a, it is a whole world and like a, an art form completely unto itself <laughs> different regionalities across right. the country um, and it you know and it's like and there's this massive community of people that like they love it and they love talking about it and they love making cr- crazy jokes about it and then right. jokes about jokes about jokes about it um, and that that's what's really fun about Mr. Ernst Theater 1000 too it's like like it is what you do mm-hmm. but it's like I don't know it's like a it, it's a little it's a little more um, polished and professional polished well and thought well out well orchestrated right yeah. you know it, it's like I just think about like those first people that were doing uh, like skateboarding uh-huh. you know we're like this is just like a bunch of kids on stupid things around you know yeah. and then somebody turns into an art form and you're like oh Oh, you, think, you know, yeah. right. I did want to mention too that Dan Harmon is one of the writers on it, mm, and yeah, he's yeah. done uh, Community and Rick yeah. uh, and Morty. So I'm just glad to see him continue to do stuff because he uh, has had some trouble with networks and stuff like that, yeah. um, being fired <laughs> at different times. So, and by the way, they secretly released the third season premiere of Rick and Morty. Hmm. Um, was not scheduled. People just were watching Cartoon Network and were like, "Oh, this is a new episode." Um, they just like snuck it in there. The full season's coming out yet, but uh, is a uh, is a great show. And the second season ended on this very like oddly dark and sad moment. And this is a pretty just like funny show. Um, so interesting show. Really hmm. great ideas thrown in there. Yeah. So I think that's what we've been watching with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to now playing. Um, this is a constantly evolving title. I just yeah, throw yeah. there. I'm kind of throwing around now playing in our living room. Yeah. To to separate that, usually we are not watching the latest films now oh, playing indeed, in yeah. theaters. That this is like our personal now playing. But uh, besides the point, um, what oh, have we been watching? Yeah. So I mean, I, I um my my BFF Marcy, who I talk to once a week, she's mm-hmm. in California. Um, I like. Got her excited about Doctor Who. Like I, I showed her Doctor Who for the first time. I showed mm-hmm. her Firefly. Like I brought her into this world. Yeah. Um, and now she's like a super fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at like 
I made her this little like model TARDIS for a birthday present a while ago, and she was in Europe. And like I'm looking at my wall, and there's like she took she would take the little TARDIS and take pictures of it mm-hmm. all across Europe. We're Uber fans now, um, but totally cool. Not like <laughs> cool um, fans, yeah. But she said, "Oh, like do you know like the?" And we had both sort of. Um, she started watching when Matt Smith was I think in his second season, so mm-hmm. she watched a lot of his original content for the original time, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I mean, there, I don't think there's any. I would say like. Somewhere around that point, the start the show started to go downhill. Mm. Um, sorry, Stephen Moffat. You know, and, and I think that there's I, I don't think I've talked about it on the show yet, but I mean, there's a lot of really valid criticism mm-hmm. um, for like Russell T Davies, who who resurrected the show. Yeah. Um, he like if you were to use like any objective feminist test, the Bechtel test, or a, any other like mm-hmm. decent analysis of the female characters, like. Though Russell T. Davies like can't write a season finale to save his life. Yeah. Remember the one with the tiny little doctor in the cage, everybody? <laughs> um, he wrote better female characters. Mm. Um, his characters were uh, more interesting, more realistic, uh, better. They mm. were just better, more integrated right. parts of the show. Um, I think Stephen Moffat, like, and so when Stephen Moffat takes over the show, um, uh, some of the stories get a little more interesting. I think he's a better, in some ways, a better writer mm-hmm. um, than Russell T. Davies in terms of interesting content. But his female characters start becoming one-dimensional. He st- we start feeling the be- Bechtel test everywhere. Um, even his most interesting character, River Song, becomes like, woo, I'm just the wife of the doctor, <laughs> instead of like the freewheeling like, international pirate that she is at the beginning. Um, so uh, we, did, we, did, we watched um, the last, or two Christmas specials go, together my friend Marcy and I mm-hmm. the internet, which is the husband's of River Song which is where River Song dies ah. um, but you know she's going to die I didn't even know she, he was married uh, yeah so I mean it's, <laughs> you, you, you learn that in, in the, the, the episode in the library which is one of the best mm. early Stephen Moffat episodes um, husband's River Song is great yeah um, it's not perfect but it, it finally sort of recaptures some of their original dynamic mm. um, Peter Capaldi who's like the latest actor is playing um, the doctor, he's kind of older and it kind of works, yeah. you know, it's better because he's older and she's younger and they finally end up at the special place. Um, and I was like, oh, like somebody's getting their groove back. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like a season after that, <laughs> and then there's like that. I mean, for those of you in TV who have seen it, you know, there's the amazing episode um, uh, with the little truth disc thing or confession yeah. dial, which is this fabulous, fabulous episode. And then it. Goes off the rails at the end. Why? We have to save Claire Oswald. But um, so my friend Russ is like, "Hey, like, you should check out the first season, uh, first episode of the next season. It's free on Amazon." And I was like, mm. "No, that's not. I mean, that's <laughs> never true. free. I, like, what yeah, happens to Doctor yeah. Who is it comes out in Britain, and I want to watch it, but it's like I don't want to spend four hours an episode or buy the season right. pass, so I wait seven months until everyone's forgotten about it, and then I watch it. Uh-huh. And they did something different this time." You could, I mean, you could, if you had Amazon Prime, you could go and buy it for zero dollars. So it wasn't like, um, it wasn't free to everyone, but like if you were an Amazon Prime Mm. member, you could buy it. So I bought it and I watched it and it's, it's clever. It's titled Pilot. Hmm. Um, And there is like a, you know, so there, there's this like, uh, it's like we're rebooting the series. Yeah. I mean, it's also essentially about like a, like a space pilot Mm -hmm. in there. Um, But you know, it's, it's clearly, we also like. Um, we sort of like encounter the doctor where he's been this professor at a college for a long time who knows how or where he's in England mm-hmm. of course but he's been there for a long time um, and like uh, our, we finally have a um, we have a, a couple companions along Nardal is still there he's this pudgy guy super cool um, there's this like tall skinny black female who's like a new character Bill um, thanks um, and uh, we sort of like re-enter the doctor's space and it's mm. definitely like we're, we're like meeting him again yeah um and this show is really good um I, you know i don't think it, it isn't like super clever like some of the best ones like blink or something like that yeah. but it was a good episode mm-hmm. um and i'm super excited that they're thinking of kind of resetting the dial on a lot of stuff and um doing it again you know or like taking another crack at it as opposed to continually trying to ring out um what they had done before so it, it was helpful right. and i think for those those of out there in podcast land um <laughs> if you have amazon prime and you like doctor who um you can go watch the first episode i still believe um of the new season which is good and i also think it's um for me uh i just have to say in terms of like marketing mm-hmm. um i really like to get a sample of something i don't like i don't trust trailers i don't trust other stuff like when i buy like 
toys for my kids, I watch like 10 unboxing videos of it to yeah. see what it is. I don't want to, I don't care what the company says about it. I want to know what it is. So like if, you know, if theoretically I was going to buy a Doctor Who episode or season, which I won't, um, I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Like I right. show me that it's not, you know, the seventh iteration of the Weeping Angels. Like show me that you have something good. Um, and they did. And so I, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting way of sort of, um, <clears throat> it was a different marketing tack than they have before. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come back to that. I think that's that's good. But you want to talk about Bates Motel too, Mikey? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so what I've been watching most recently, we finished up the series Bates Motel. Uh, they just had the last uh, the series finale uh, aired a few weeks ago. Um, all in all, the last season, um, we spoke about this. I mean, briefly. It gets a little icky. It's almost clear, knowing that it's the last season, it's clear that they knew it was the last season, like the Mm -hmm. producers. Mm -hmm. Um, And things got a little bit wackier as far as production. There's a little bit more um, experimental look to it. There Mm -hmm. is more different character building and different different exercise, I guess, for like different characters. Um, all in all, solid season. Um, they're, they really do a good job of um, tying in this psycho storyline without beating it to death or just like blatantly redoing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it fits in well over a couple episodes and then it kind of moves on, which is good. It doesn't mm-hmm. kind of doesn't dwell on the, the old story. Um, and there's a lot of closure to the whole, to the whole series and all the characters as well, um, so it's I think it's a good, a good way to end the show. Good way to end the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to well. see it. I'm still catching up as mm-hmm. we mentioned on the previous episodes, but mm. I'm really into how that's gonna end. Um, yeah, that show always just kind of like sucks me back in. Every season that I watch it, mm-hmm. get kind of involved back into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know the, the last. I mean, season five. So it starts out where. It's a lot of examining how Norma and Norman play out in Norman's mind. Mm. Um, and it's interesting how they use that to keep uh, Norma on screen and like have mm. her still be on the show the and not, things. you know, yeah. And it worked out, it worked oh, out well. Smart, yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not overdone, and I feel like it works out, works pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, she's such a great character, and I think important to the dynamic on mm-hmm. the show. Right. So that was smart to keep her around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I was going to bring up one thing with Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Um, so the, this is the last season of Peter Capaldi, right? That's what I believe, so, yeah. So far. So I've heard the rumors of the next Doctor, and somebody threw out Tilda Swinton. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean... I think that would be amazing. I mean, like, I don't know all about, like, I don't truck too much in the rumor mill. Yeah. Um, but some of the things that I have read are, yeah, Tilda Swinton, probably definitely female. Hmm. Um... Uh, and that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I mean, like, I, I just feel like they've been avoiding that yeah. for long enough that mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, I mean, like, yeah. you can't really avoid it this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, I mean, because part of the thing about, I mean, Peter Capaldi is like the the last sort of, he's wrapped up, all, yeah. wrapped up, all, so like, you know, when, when, when um, the season starts up again, there, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a generation of the Doctor that we don't see, hmm. we call them the War Doctor. We eventually learn later mm-hmm. uh, who's like an, who's involved in and ends the Time War, mm-hmm. um, and then we meet the uh, um, <clears throat> Christopher Eccleston Doctor, and and he he comes into the show with a whole lot of baggage and secrets mm-hmm. about what's happened during that interregnum, mm-hmm. um, and Peter Capaldi pretty much works through all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of it's worked through before we get to him, yeah. but he resolves, and this, we see the John Hurt, who plays the War Doctor, we get, we get, we sort of resolve all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of ready for like, <clears throat> totally new territory. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've, we've, uh, touched on and resolved all the stuff we need to, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> spent too, way too much time on Clara Oswald for no good reason, <laughs> um, and are ready to move on to, um, something new. And I, I personally would love to see a female doctor, and I would love to have some super clever modern female writers writing dialogue for that woman, <laughs> um, and just have it be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. 
Um, so I wanted to bring up a little bit with like how you were talking about unique way of presenting the new Doctor Who episode yeah. online and stuff and talk about viral yeah. marketing. Because I've kind of tracked with the new Alien Covenant film coming out. Yeah. And they're releasing all kinds of... Um, I don't know if you'd always refer to exactly as uh, viral marketing in this case, but some of it. Um, but just like all this kind of extraneous materials that they're presenting leading into it. And I think some of it's really unique. Uh, so there's been a few... There's like a... Um, introduction to the main characters where they're first on the ship and the new one so it's like the new crew of the ship that their characters are introducing and so we get to see all them which felt very much like the first scene of a film (laughs) that maybe they cut out Um, I don't know what they did with that it might be extra scenes and then recently on uh, Alien Day which is now a thing every year apparently uh, they I released. Saw that. Like, Did you oh, see that? No, yeah. it <laughs> needed its own. Declared its own itself day. its own yeah. day. But they released this other little like short film where we kind of see connecting what happened in Prometheus to Alien Covenant. So I've kind of been an Alien fan for a while. I know Jeremy definitely has problems with Prometheus, and I do too. Although uh, I like some of it. And so I'm hoping. I think. Feel my stare. I think everybody is hoping this is a much better improvement. Yeah. Uh, but what I liked a lot about Prometheus is that they created a website for the company. Yeah. Um, in the film, that's kind of been carrying through all of them, and uh, so you can go there and it feels like the real company website from the future. They also released like a fake TED talk for Prometheus. Um, yeah, Which was like yeah, a future yeah. type of Yeah, I saw that. that. And, yeah. I, and I wondered where that was in the film because it's, yeah. it's nowhere. It's not in the film, yeah. And there's also their amazing couple little pieces about um, Michael Fassbender as the android. Hmm. And they're kind of like presentation, like almost like Apple commercials, but for this like android. Yeah. And uh, they're really kind of like funny also. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point they kind of say like, you know, it's like the voiceover presenting is like, he can take care of the, you know, unsavory things that humans don't want to do. Um, and he's, but he's like talking in this very calm way. So kind of like leading to that these androids also get out of control traditionally in the, yeah. uh, in the alien films and kind of do what they want. Um, but it was just like really kind of abstract and stuff like that. Uh, the settings were great in this commercial. Mm-hmm. And so it was probably better than the film overall, Prometheus. And it's just like a, two minute thing or something um but it, just like the design elements it, the company, it, <laughs> uh, it was just really great so i liked that element of it just kind of what i guess i want to ask you guys does that sort of thing work for you a few other examples is like the hunger games did a social media campaign and like they had a twitter account which was like the capital which was i think also a really interesting level because they also would like release like here's pictures of the contestants and it was but like Jennifer Lawrence and stuff and she was really young when I think those films first came out so mm-hmm. I it was just like unique layers of like basically Hollywood was kind of like here's the new it girl that we were putting in these movies and then like also in the book of like here's the new star you know that we're having mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I and I don't know just the allusions to like Hollywood as a system kind of eats people up, mm-hmm. kind of spits them out, um, or they have to kind of fight for you know staying famous and things like that. But that they were just like um, playing on that idea. I think uh, the Twitter account was kind of in that in that character. Okay, so here I mean my my, my reaction to yeah. your question is this. Yes. Um. So like I I recently attempted to watch um the third Captain America movie, Civil War, uh-huh. um, I got like 50 minutes in and there's like an elaborate chase scene, which yeah. is in air quotes, this like chase scene, because um, it's it's just, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I, I, I couldn't, I watched the movie with my wife and, and we don't have a lot of time together because she's mm-hmm. really busy and we just could not spend our time watching what this was. <laughs> and I was like, this is the action. This this is the action. This is an action film, mm-hmm. and this is the action that you're giving me. But at the beginning of the show, um, movie, there's like you know some supposed witty banter between the Avengers, and mm-hmm. at some point, like Tony Stark is like, "Who put the coffee grinds in the you know in the garbage yeah. disposal? Are we doing that?" And my thought is, which I mentioned to you, is like, 
they got paid to write this garbage. <laughs> so my, my, my opinion about what you said is like, I think there are like a lot of really creative people out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still really strong gates and gatekeepers in the production system. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of the stuff that, like, some of the tertiary, like, I think the stuff, like, the all this viral stuff for Prometheus yeah. was far more interesting than the film itself. Mm. And I think that there's probably some really talented creative people that got stuck Fine. on this B project yeah. and did a better job than the people who, like, you know, like, that passed all the tests to sort of make the film itself. Mm -hmm. Sorry, guys. Um, And so that's what's exciting to me because there's, um, like, when I think about some of the most powerful things that I've seen recently have been small, like uh, The World of Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, like, where where there's just, like, this, I don't know. I mean, there's something that I like about, like, early science fiction with all of its, like, unrounded edges and incomplete stories and, you know, stylized one-dimensional people. Um, there's, There's just, like, this like idea that's so interesting that mm-hmm. you know you put the story around it to share it mm-hmm. um that and, and that create that kind of creativity and uh ingenuity and cleverness yeah. is like what i think makes things interesting it's like um you know like things that i like declare that the internet was created for like mm-hmm. um the muppets bohemian rhapsody mm-hmm. you know like if the internet only produced that <laughs> it would not be a waste you know <laughs> Um, and so I think that there's with a lot of these tertiary pro- like these mm-hmm. viral marketing projects yeah. I mean I think it allows um, uh, people that might not make it into that you know that are not going to be billed as directors mm-hmm. um, get to do really creative things with this you know um, special content yeah. you know and, and it's like like I can do whatever I want like with Prometheus but like I'm not going to like it has nothing to do with the studio yeah. um, but it's interesting to have this sort of space it's marketing, yeah. but it's not because it, it's. I mean, it, it's different because it's content for the film. Right. Because um, I think, I mean, I don't know if this is what other people would say, but like when, um, like with the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. like the marketing was part of the film. Right. It was the first time that I sort of encountered that as a person. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if it like it changed things, but it, it's it, that's a that's a milestone so. in mm-hmm. my yeah. thing, where like both what was in the film and what was outside of the film was part of the story mm-hmm. um so so it sounds like i mean you feel like that adds to your experience of it it's oh not, absolutely um like it helps fill out the story and well i mean i mean i i mean i've i mean i don't know if we've talked in this podcast about, about yeah. the, the the film the uh, human condition this epic japanese mm-hmm. trilogy it's like nine hours long yeah and it's still not enough for me you know <laughs> i mean like I, like <laughs> I, I like i love those gigantic russian literature books yeah. that are like anna karenina and yeah. war and peace like I love it, and like there, I mean, I'm like, oh, it's over. I'm like, yeah. twelve hundred pages later. Um, so w- when I look at something like, like for example, like the first Matrix movie, um, mm-hmm. it's like ninety whatever three minutes of just masterpiece. Yeah. Um, and then you know, and it, but it's like there's literally billions of things that I want to see happen in that world. Mm-hmm. So you have something like the Animatrix, which comes out where it was like a bunch of other things in this world. I, yeah. And. Um, there just can't really be sometimes enough of that when you have this, you know, and like not to say that like the Matrix is like the first time that someone thought of this idea, but they did a lot of really cool things, a lot of mm-hmm. good stuff, and made a good solid standalone film that had a very um, cohesive world mm-hmm. and you know had its own conflicts and whatnot. Um, and so it's just interesting to like explore and do stuff in that world. Like ninety minutes is not enough for me. Yeah. Um, so I- I'm always excited when there's. Um, more content for that area especially by different people I mean there's mm. like as much as you know you know like the, the Wachowski siblings mm-hmm. you know ha- have the genius or, or come up with this particular idea yeah. um, I'm I mean like art is always interesting because you have different people talk about the same thing mm-hmm. you know I mean it's like you know even if it's something generic like death like how yeah. does how does this artist or that artist or this artist mm-hmm. deal with the issue of death or right. the issue of AI you know mm-hmm. um, and I mean I always find it I mean, and to, to think about, I mean, I really enjoy it. It yeah. adds to my experience of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, like, I think serve as marketing to, like, get me to watch the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, I mean, I know, you, you, Eli, you love, like, special features and making of. Yeah. So it's like you get that beforehand. You get that, yeah, you know? right. Which I think um, I like. And with, I think, the new Alien Covenant, there's, like, a new commercial, because Michael Fassbender is back in it. But he's, like, the new newest model so he looks the same but he's like a newer model so they made another commercial which is 
even more kind of like Apple inspired yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, and was not made by the main director. Mm-hmm. But I think that also probably helps them in communicating to the audience like, hey, he's not really the same character in this film. Yeah. Like this is this is not this is a different iteration of who he is. And so going into it beforehand, they can it's a way for them to not have to say that as much in the film, you know, that they could communicate yeah, yeah. it beforehand so to tell these smaller stories. And and I think will be I mean Hollywood, please do this. Mm-hmm. It would be cool if you had, um, especially when you, if you had like like a licensed theater mm-hmm. um, that showed a selection of appropriate shorts in the beginning. You know, yeah. if, if you know that you're Marcus mm-hmm. Theaters, and because Marcus Theaters has this really cute things with the guy who owns it, right? Greg Marcus. Yeah, I think so. You know, like, he's like doing this stuff at the beginning. Sitting be, by that piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it would be really cool if, you know, if you, you know, you're going to see Alien Covenant, like, why don't you curate some of that content? Yeah. You know, why don't you get me a little bit more into this world with this, you know, pre-screen advertising? You know, given, mm-hmm. like, that is ad revenue or whatever, but, like, yeah. Marcus Theater, I mean, like, those little, I went to see some around Christmas time, and he was there for, like, 20 minutes talking about that. <laughs> he seems adorable. Um, so I'd like to see that. And, you know, and also, like, I mean, because if I think about, like, some of the, like, when I... When I buy like a Doctor Who piece of memorabilia, which I don't do often because I'm not like that kind of geek, mm-hmm. um, sure. I just present sure. my friends. Yeah. You know, I have I have like seven Doctor Who. <laughs> um, you know, I I really like mashups. Like mm-hmm. I really like mm-hmm. I like seeing how somebody else um, viewed the same content that I viewed mm-hmm. and took a view of it. Like, what did they emphasize? What did they like? How did yeah. they interpret it? Um, and like that, it, it makes the experience more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I be you know like. <clears throat> That's why I like all this stuff. Yeah, and I, I'd love to see more of it because mm-hmm. I, I often and there's a there's just like a like an like an angry documentary filmmaker inside of me. Yeah, that's like I should be able to like be like clip up Disney films and I, this is like I have my <laughs> right to make commentary about it. You don't like you don't own Batman. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm sure Bob Kane and this is like I'm sure Bob Kane like came <laughs> up with the idea of Batman. Yeah, but like at some point in in our history, Batman is going to become like. Ulysses mm-hmm. is going to become like these classical characters that nobody owns. They're going to be like yeah. Greek heroes. Yeah. Um, but we're not at that time now because that there's like huge money in owning that mm-hmm. man. Um, but it, it can't be. I mean, the story eventually is going to be so big that it can't be private property anymore. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I like in the period we're in now, if like you know, Alien Covenant has these people doing you know mm-hmm. ancillary content, they mm-hmm. get they don't have to, they can just use it. You know, they don't right. they don't have to. Um, I don't. They they have the rights to to manipulate those intellectual properties. Yeah. Um, which I think you know for anybody is just exciting. Yeah. Um, and you know I mean I'm not I'm just you know I said it was going to be a short podcast <laughs> going around and on about stuff which is like my whole life really but um, there are just I like as much as like there's been a democratization of media and mm-hmm. independent film and stuff I, I still like there is still a lot of gatekeepers either as like actual people right. or like focus groups or mm-hmm. analytics or profit summaries or investors mm-hmm. that get in the way of art being as good as it can be yeah and i think uh, you, know, you go look at the slate of pixar films and you can see which films are artist driven and which mm-hmm. films are you know like focus group yeah. driven yeah. um and i just feel like we anybody who cares about art or film even if it's just a casual watcher you want to see something interesting and innovative you want to mm-hmm. see somebody's best effort right. you want to see something that is daring and interesting and new and also echoes of the old um, and you know I think we can all say I'll say for us that um, when you have um, we don't we don't want everything to turn into Transformers you know no. sorry Michael Bay um, <laughs> and I know those things make buckets of money right. um, but they're artistically crap the Transformers right. are like crap and the plots are crap mm-hmm. um, and it, which is not to say that they're not entertaining yeah. but they could have all of that stuff that, that makes the investors happy and have attractive looking else. robots yeah. and have interesting you know resonating ideas um, I mean I think there is something about sort of like the newer social technology social media that's kind of catching up with some of the ideas at least in these more genre style yeah. stuff so like I uh Another example is when the newest season of Sherlock came out, they did this like Twitter thing um, where they kind of like pre-announced it, but uh, it was supposed to be that Sherlock had taken over the computer systems and then he was like 
tweeting out a mystery. Yeah. And he was, like, making fun of, like, the, I, like, come on, guys, you guys are stupid. I can't believe you didn't figure this out. And he would, like, post pictures of, like, letters and, like, photos, like, yeah. this is the file. But it was a really fun way to interact. And this may be a whole nother conversation, but I think social media and the internet has allowed interaction with the creators a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think does give the audience much more of an ownership feeling in it. Um, so well, like you said, I like that. Well, here's the thing though. So like that the, they're including, um, the audience in. Yeah. And I like that there are yeah. probably other content creators in there. I mean, yeah. but like the, the doctor who thing is the same as the Prometheus, like that yeah. was more interesting than the last <laughs> season. True. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and it's like, but sometimes it's like, uh, maybe that's all we get. Yeah. You know, like maybe all we get at Prometheus is those that the TED Talk and the really cool ads, right? And this like wishy-washy aliens killing people thing that <laughs> is Prometheus. Stuff, yeah. uh, and you know, and like the last season of Doctor Who, I mean of uh, Sherlock. Sorry again, Tina Moffat and you know Morgadis. Mm-hmm. It just went off the rails. Yeah. We can't really. It's not even worth talking about, time to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean I love that stuff, and I like I love you know I just imagine you know like because. I just like, though, to see other folks um, interacting with and creating content mm-hmm. for these things. Because sometimes I think uh, those are often the, the really creative, innovative voices that I like that, that are exciting to me. Yeah. Um, because it's also like they, you, it has to be interesting. Like it, it, if, if that viral marketing campaign with Sherlock wasn't interesting, we would never hear about it. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's the thing about viral is like it, it has to catch on, right? Or it doesn't exist. That doesn't work, yeah. But like whether or not the season of Sherlock is good, it's going to get aired. There's going to be advertising sold. It's a giant thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know that's the thing again. Like the, with the Muppets Bohemian Rhapsody, like there's probably a thousand other things like that that are bad that we never heard about. That we never heard about. Um, yeah. But we heard about this one because yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think we're gonna wrap things up. But uh, go watch that stuff. Watch Troll Hunters, MST3K, finish up Bates Motel, and um, oh, I have to mention one more thing. Yeah. So briefly, Leftover season three has oh, yeah, started. Yeah. Go watch it. I mentioned it before, but uh, is still like I'm. So my wife is catching up, or she caught up. Um, watched the first two seasons straight through, and um, and so I am rewatching it. And like I never really watched rewatch TV shows. Um, but I'm really enjoying going back and getting more out of these and uh, just some of the best television I've ever seen. Um, so I'm excited where season three goes. Just finished the second episode. Um, so far, what's out? And I tell you, Carrie Coon, who's in this, is like amazing. She just started on Fargo season three, also started, which she is like the new sheriff on, which I heard amazing things about that as well. But yeah, pretty much put her in anything and I will watch it. Um, but the the second episode of the third season was focused on her, which they do throughout the seasons is focus on a couple characters in there. But yeah, I hope more people watch it. So I'm gonna keep promoting it. Nice. Thanks for listening out there. Yeah. Yeah.